You're listening to The Unsunday Show. Leaving behind religious obligation to find a more authentic expression of Christ in us, this is The Unsunday Show. Hey, Mike Adams here with the On Sunday Show, and I wanted to spend a little more time with you and have another morning coffee together, morning coffee with Mike. So, hey, it doesn't get any better than this. Cheers. Hey, this morning, I just want to talk to you about some miscellaneous topics. I'm not sure where this conversation is going to go. I don't really have an agenda laid out. Just some things on my mind that are always on my mind that uh, I want to talk about related to church and ecclesia, the body of Christ, and... Uh, stuff that's pertinent to the On Sunday show. You know, when we look around us at the system that we call church, what do we see? We see a hierarchy of authority in place. We see pastors over pastors and bishops over bishops, and we use these honorific titles. You know, it's really odd to me that we don't understand, we don't seem to understand, or we just don't believe Jesus' words when he was talking about top-down authority within the body of Christ, within the ecclesia. And he said that the nations do it that way, the Gentiles do it that way, the world does it that way, you know, where they've got top-down authority and someone's in charge over someone else. But he said very clearly, it's not to be that way among you. And yet we don't understand that, or we choose not to believe it, or we just ignore it, and we think maybe it's irrelevant. I'm not sure what we do with it, but for some reason we don't practice it. Because look around you, look around you, what you see in modern institutional churches and modern institutional Christianity around you, what do you see? We see a CEO type of pattern, we see a top-down authority pattern, but when we look into the New Testament, that's missing. It's not there. When the uh, ecclesia was born on the day of Pentecost, what do we see? We see a gathering of believers together as equals without any uh, fake uh, stuff in place. I, you know, the word escapes me right now, but you know, we don't have this uh, fake system that's overlaid on top of it like we have today. What we have today is, you know, I've said this a million times in here, is, is man-made. If you followed the On Sunday show for any length of time, you know my take on that. I'm not anti-body of Christ. I'm not anti-ecclesia. But the religious system of church that we seem to have overlaid on that doesn't really tend to bother us. It was Ignatius of Antioch, remember, back in the early uh, second century who, who first suggested that system. And it seems to me that we're more eager to believe Ignatius of Antioch than we are to believe the words of Jesus. When Jesus said, it shall not be so among you, we tend to default to Ignatius of Antioch and say, yeah, we need bishops over bishops. We need this hierarchy within the assembly in order for the assembly to run. And we're so accustomed to that. You know, we grew up in that. I mean, I grew up in that. I'm sure if you're in the West, you grew up in that same kind of a, a top-down system. And we just tend to not really question it. We, we think it's legitimate. We think it's got to be there. But really, it doesn't. And what would happen if it just dissolved? I talked to you in the last morning coffee about my amazing analogy of under the dome. You know, how that, that, that clear dome had descended on that town. And that in my analogy, which by the way is amazing, in that analogy, the town represents the body of Christ, the ecclesia, and the system that we call church is represented in my analogy as that transparent dome that you can see through, you can see into it, you can see out of it, but those within it can't leave. 
and they're kind of stuck in there. Well, that's kind of where we find ourselves, I think, in a lot of modern Christianity and a modern churchianity is we're stuck under this dome, and we think the dome is normal. We think that the, dorm, that the dome is required, and that if we were to get outside the dome, we would be sinning somehow, or we would be letting God down, or we would be rogue in a way that's bad and, you know, opening ourselves up to all kinds of satanic attacks or whatever. I've heard a lot of different explanations of it. But that's not true. What's true is that the ecclesia would emerge from that rubble if that dome were to uh, disappear, if that dome were to be destroyed that the ecclesia would then rise from the ashes because the ecclesia, remember, according to Jesus, is indestructible. He didn't say the church is indestructible. He said the ecclesia is indestructible. I'm going to build my ecclesia, he said, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But when we put false systems over top of it, or we, we envelop it in, in human man-made false systems, there's nothing guaranteeing that that false system is going to always be there. In fact, let's hope that at some point it gets removed and we start to see more clearly that the ecclesia, the body of Christ, is a spiritual temple, that it's a spiritual people offering spiritual sacrifices. Well, what have we done? We've kind of gone back into this old covenant concept of a, a, uh, a physical temple, of a physical place. You know, when you mention church to somebody today, and even in your own thinking and in my thinking, when we mention the word church, we think of a location, we think of a building. We think of some elaborate campus, or maybe it's even a small campus, you know, one one humble little building. But we always think of a church as that building on the corner or that building down the street. We don't usually think of it as a spiritual temple, as a spiritual people offering spiritual sacrifices, because we've got the physical building in place. We usually have a physical altar. We have a physical stage. When you go inside, of course, everything's pointing toward the pulpit because the pulpit is the center. The pastor is the center of this system that we call church. Because we've listened to Ignatius, who said it has to be like this in order to supply the, the uh, order that's required within it, instead of, of listening to Jesus. We've kind of jettisoned Jesus' words, and we've embraced Ignatius' words, and we've said, yeah, we've got to have bishops over bishops over bishops, and if the pastor isn't present, then don't let anything be done in the, in the church. And that's kind of the way that we've gone with that whole conversation, is we've We've jettisoned the words of Jesus, and we've embraced the words of Ignatius, and we've said, yeah, it really needs to be this way. But you know, that's an old covenant concept, isn't it? Remember in the book of Hebrews, in the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, remember that in chapter 1, when the writer of Hebrews was describing the old covenant era, that whole time prior to the, the coming of Jesus and his death, which inaugurated the uh, new covenant, you remember that in chapter 1, right there in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 of the letter to the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said that in times past, back then, way back then, God spoke through the prophets. He spoke to, to the fathers through the prophets. That's kind of an old covenant concept, because today we embrace the idea that, that God is speaking to us through the pastor. But listen, Christian, God has qualified you. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's residing in you. The life of God is in you. He has made you alive. And that concept of, well, we need the pastor to tell us what to believe, or we need the pastor to tell us what the Bible means, is really, when you think about it and get down to it at its very root, it's an old covenant concept of what God was doing then, as opposed to what he's doing now. Well, what's he doing now? Well, in that same letter to the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, in these last days, today, he's spoken to us in his Son. And it's the Son of God in us, it's the Spirit of Christ in us that is leading us into this 
uh, resurrected life of his where we get, to, we get to participate in the divine nature, Peter said. And we have this amazing relationship with him, and each one of us then, according to Peter again, has become a kingdom of priests. We don't need a priest. We don't need a pastor. We don't need, we don't need an, another mediator beyond Jesus. Because in his last days, he's spoken to us by his son, and his son resides in you, Christian. He is in you. He is leading you. Remember Paul's words, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's us, because the Holy Spirit is leading us. The Holy Spirit's never not leading us. And Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to lead us where? Into all truth. And that part of that truth is that you, Christian, are among this amazing kingdom of priests in the ecclesia, where every believer is a priest. Every believer functions with direct access to God and has a relationship with God because the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is in me. Well, we've kind of taken that thing, haven't we? And we've leveled the playing field and we've kind of brought back in an old covenant concept of what the people of God are, where the people of God are are this group that requires a, a human mediator, someone to kind of run interference for us between us and God. But the mediator is one, and he is Jesus, and the mediation has already occurred because, believer, he has died for all of your sins, past, present, and future, and he has made you holy. Or, as the writer of Hebrews said, he has made you perfect forever by one sacrifice. Now, you're, if you're like me, you're going, well, I don't feel perfect. Well, you know, you are. As far as your identity is concerned, you have been made holy. You have been made perfect forever by Jesus' one sacrifice. And he has qualified you to live the life that you're living with him inside you. Well, what do we do within the assemblies? What do we do within, rather, the the, uh, organized church is we always look outside of that for someone to lead us. It's got to be a professional. We don't really pay much attention to the qualifications. We might give them lip service, you know, the qualifications for an elder in, in 1 Timothy and in Titus. We might give them lip service, but it's always in the context of finding someone with a good resume. It's always in the context of, well, what initials are behind your name? What degree do you have? Do you have an MDiv? Do you have a THM? Do you have, you know, what are you based on this piece of paper that you've been given? And we just kind of ignore giftedness, and we usually bring someone in from the outside that we've maybe never met before, and we, we bring them in and they, you know, preach a sermon for us, and it, you know, it's going to be a real polished sermon because they know they're on display and they want the job. But you see what we've done with it? We've, we've turned it from something organic into something professional. And all of a sudden, the qualifications are what degree is on your wall and where is it from? And do you align with our group? Do you align with our denomination or whatever, you know, whatever dome we find ourselves under? Do you align with that? If so, come on into the dome and be a part of the the dome here that's got us all covered and has put these restrictions on us as the ecclesia. That's what we look for. I mean, be honest about it. That's, That's the process. And then when we organize that system, we've organized it into this top down structure, which is a corporation. In a corporation, you have to have a leader. And we've elected the pastor as a leader. But remember what Jesus said about honorific titles? He said, you know, talking about the religious people of his day, that they loved to be called rabbi. You know, they, they, they loved to go by these religious terms, religious titles. But Jesus said again very clearly, not in the ecclesia. Don't do that in the ecclesia. And yet we run toward honorific titles, you know. Think about our daily conversations for just a minute. I mean, I'm guilty of doing this too. 
I catch myself doing it more and more, but it's kind of bred into us over, you know, years of being in this system where we don't question it. You know, we, if someone asks us, well, what church do you go to? You might say, well, I go to John's church or, or John is my pastor. And we start using these honorific titles because, again, we've, we've placed a person in a position of authority. We've propped that person up. It's man-made. It's nowhere in the New Testament, but we've propped that person up, and, and we're so trained into thinking that way that we say, well, you know, John is my pastor, or Bill is my pastor, or, you know, Lynn is my pastor, you know, whoever is, is the pastor. And we, and we stick these honorific titles, we stick these terms of, of honor onto these people, which really are, are just gifts of the Spirit, in my opinion, that are given to the ecclesia. But why don't we use words like, you know, Giver Gary? Why don't we say, well, okay, we're going to introduce a friend to Gary, and Gary comes in the room, and Gary comes over, and, you know, we kind of put our arm around him, or, you know, we pat him on the back or whatever, and we introduce him to our friends as Giver Gary. And we say, this is Gary, my giver. We don't do that. And it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm saying that to make a point. So does Bill is my pastor. Because what it does is it creates that separation. It creates that sense of professionalism. He's the professional. I'm just the lowly laity, which, by the way, we're still going to talk about in another morning coffee. I'm just the lowly laity. He's the professional. He has to tell me what I believe. He gets the messages from God, and then he delivers those to me on a Sunday. No, he doesn't. You know, I got news for you. As a, formal, as a, a former institutional church pastor, there's no foo-foo dust sprinkled on, on Pastor Bill or Pastor John or whoever. It isn't there. It doesn't exist. You know, we go through these ordination councils, which are also uh, man-made, and, you know, we, we, we go through that process of screening someone before we kind of let them out into the uh, pastoral uh, profession, professional field. But even that is man-made. It's, it's an institution that's created by people. It isn't in the New Testament. And in those ordination councils, nothing special takes place. Your, listen, your pastor or your priest, or your bishop, whatever you want to call that person, doesn't have any special giftedness that you don't have access to as well. Now, spiritual gifts may differ. I acknowledge that. But Christian, again, you're fully qualified. Paul said he's qualified us as ministers of the new covenant. And Christian, that's you. And you are qualified because the Holy Spirit lives in you. But what we do is we relinquish that and we say, well, Pastor Peter or Pastor Paul or, you know, Pastor whoever uh, needs to be the one to give us instruction because God speaks through them. And even pastors sometimes will tell you that. Well, God speaks through the pastor. That's an old covenant concept. Remember Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 that we talked about a minute ago. That's an old covenant concept. That's not a new covenant concept. In the new covenant, again, we're a kingdom of priests and there's no distinction. But we've made that distinction because of this system that's been overlaid on the ecclesia. And I'll tell you, it's a broken system. I don't know about you, but when I look on some of my social media feed and I see all of the uh, abuse that's gone on by, by those in authority as, as pastors within different assemblies and different denominations and different churches, I look at that and I think, man, that system is broken. You can't be fixed because, in my opinion, it doesn't want to be fixed. It likes what it's doing. It likes where it's at. It likes having that authority. It likes having that control. And in my opinion, that's not a system that can be fixed. I know there's many within it trying to fix it and saying, well, you know, pastors need to not be abusive. Pastors need to, you know, kind of calm it down a little bit. But listen, it's the system itself 
I'm not dissing pastors. It's the system itself that puts the pressure on a person like that in the first place. If we disintegrate the system, if we abolish the system, if the system you know, crumbles, if that dome crumbles over the town, the town's going to emerge, the town being the ecclesia. And the ecclesia is going to start to realize that, wow, I've got this amazing freedom in Christ to just live my life, to be who God made me, to be who I am, to not have to live up to external rules and regulations that are placed on me, but just to be me and just to uh, be who I am, expressing Christ through me and in me as he leads me along my day. And we tend to think that, okay, if we're gathered together as, a, as the body of Christ, if we come together corporately as the body of Christ, that there needs to be this system in place. First of all, we have to do it in a sanctioned way. We have to be in the building or in some building that's been sanctioned. The pastor has to be there or, you know, what are we going to do? And the whole system is geared toward uh, conformity to get into this one place, to do this one thing. If the pastor doesn't show up, you know, we're kind of hosed and we don't really know what to do. But that's not the ecclesia, because when we look in the New Testament, the ecclesia is a community of equals that are meeting without an agenda. There's no bulletin. There's no order of service. You know, there's none of that. It's unencumbered. And when they got together corporately, it looked just like the rest of their lives. It wasn't a special day where I put on special clothes and talked in special ways and pretended that everything was okay. It was just part of life. It was an extension of the rest of my life. And that's the ecclesia. It's organic and it's real and you get to be real. You know, I got a story for you and then we'll close. Several months ago, this was back before COVID hit, we got invited to an event at a local uh, institutional church and this event wasn't sponsored by the church per se. It was a group that was coming in to, to speak on a topic that was, quite frankly, much needed. But my story is that when we got to this place and we went into this room, there was probably, I don't know, 50 to 75 people there, and, and there was a speaker that was going to speak. But the thing that amazed me is that we all just kind of sat there, and, and it, you know, starting time had passed, and we were all kind of just sitting there still. And finally, someone I heard someone at a table next, next to us saying, well, they, they can't start until the pastor gets here. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. But they were all waiting for the pastor to, to get there, and the pastor had nothing to do with what was going on, but he had to come and you know, kind of bless the ceremony or whatever and get the thing going. Well, we all are sitting there waiting for this pastor, and finally he shows up. And when he shows up, the whole room kind of breathed a collective sigh of relief, like, oh, he's here. Now we can start. And of course, he gets up, introduces himself, does a prayer, and, and then leaves and didn't see him again. But the whole thing, the whole point of my story is that we, we, were, we were stuck. It was Ignatius of Antioch, right? Playing, played out right in front of us. We were stuck there, or that group thought they were stuck there because the pastor hadn't showed up. Until he showed up, we couldn't do anything. Remember Ignatius' words, let nothing be done in the church apart from the bishop. That's exactly what was played out before me, and we all saw it. And it just kind of blew my mind. I, it caught me off guard. But that's the way we are, and we think that that's normal because we just don't tend to question that. So my point, I guess, this morning, and I'm not even sure what I'm going to call this uh, session of, of morning coffee with you. It's kind of a hodgepodge. But I guess that's the message that I want to say today is that 
this system is propped up. It's it's man-made. You know, if you want to be a part of it, you're certainly free to be a part of it. But there are many, many, many who are starting to see the light and uh, the light of day, I should say, and are starting starting to dawn on them that hey, I don't really need to be doing this, and this isn't something that's actually required. And they're finding an incredible freedom outside of those four walls because all of a sudden there's nothing to conform to, and you just get to be you. So I guess that's my message today is, is uh, you know, you get to be you outside of that system of conformity that we call institutional Christianity. Hey, this is going to be on both video and audio again. The audio is on the Unsunday Show podcast. It's available in your favorite app, the Unsunday Show. You can go search for it there and subscribe if you like. This video is also going to be on the Unsunday Show uh, YouTube page. And thank you for those followers that I'm getting there. I really appreciate that. But it's going to be in video on the Unsunday Show YouTube page, and it's also going to be on my website as a video uh, at unsunday.com. Sometimes I forget to mention that because I'm really bad at promoting myself. So I hope that you are encouraged from this morning coffee together, and I look forward to the next time. And until then, see ya. Thank you for joining us on the Unsunday Show. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at unsunday.com. <laughs>